Well, we're continuing on in our fall kickoff series, digging into the vision that God has for us personally and as a community, learning to choose his vision over our lack of visibility in this pandemic season. We've learned that just because, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty looking forward doesn't mean we can't have clarity about the way that God wants to work. And just because we can't gather as a church doesn't mean that God doesn't want to grow us personally and as a church community in significant ways. And so we're making the choice, like many Olympic athletes did this summer, to pursue Sidious, Altius, Fortius ways of living, even though there was no big event, to open our hearts up to the ways that God wants to work in our lives in faster and higher and stronger ways than ever before. And uh, the part that we're going to dig into today, uh, I'm going to find uh, quite significant because I feel like it's probably the most confusing aspect of the life of our church these days. And by confusing, I mean, for some people, disappointing or maybe dissatisfying. It often is the, the, the aspect of our church's direction that causes people the most pain, which is unfortunate because when it comes to the confusion, I feel like nobody around our community, even if you've been here for a couple weeks, nobody around our community is fuzzy about the end game that we believe God has in mind for us, and that is the pursuit of his life of love. In Galatians 5, 6, it says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. And we've cited that passage many times over the last number of years, believing that when Jesus walked the earth, he reduced a whole bunch of rules down to just one, the two-directional law of love for God and for people. And then later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says you can have all kinds of stuff in your faith life, all well organized and kind of on the ball. But if you lack this one thing, if you lack love, you are nothing and contribute nothing of any value spiritually. There's a primacy to God's law of love. And so as a church community, we've been pursuing that year after year after year in hopefully an, increasing, an increasingly faithful way. So I feel like what isn't confusing is that God is leading us in the direction of love. What can become confusing very quickly is that love means more than one thing. For example, love means fighting for justice. Love, in God's economy, love fights for justice. Love looks around at those on the margins and those excluded and those discriminated against and disadvantaged and actually seeks to elevate their status and their quality of life. We've been learning that as a community for years. In fact, I think back to probably almost, if not over a decade ago, where God moved us through this series in the study of an Old Testament prophet named Amos. And uh, in Amos chapter 5, I remember this passage where he says, This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not go to Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. And I, rem I remember that passage because it was God saying through Amos that, you know, instead of going to Bethel and Gilgal and Beersheba, which at the time were the main worship centers of their community, the places where they gathered for large group corporate worship, says, instead of doing that, I want you to pursue justice in your lives and as a society. 
that God actually valued the advocating for systemic change over the attending of big events, which I thought is kind of poignant and good news for us today in this pandemic season where, for a time, we can't attend big events together. That's okay because God would rather we value the advocating for justice. That's what love does. We've seen that time and time again in the life and character and teachings of Jesus, who the Bible describes as being in very nature God, as a human possessing all of the divine privilege, and yet voluntarily, repeatedly relinquishing that privilege to serve and to enhance the condition of those, particularly those underprivileged. That's the way of Jesus. That's the life of love that he invites us into personally and together as a church family to voluntarily, recurringly relinquish our privilege to enhance those around us, especially those under Privileged, And so we're going to continue to move in that direction of a life of love that fights for justice because that's what love looks like. I feel like as clear as that's been, what complicates things is that that's not the only aspect to a life of love. Because equally as primary to the heart of God is that love doesn't just fight for justice, love also fights for unity. Love also fights for unity, and love seeks to draw in as many people as possible from as many diverse perspectives as possible with just as much of a priority as the value of justice. In fact, we've seen that priority in the life of Jesus this past summer where we studied his final prayer before he gave his life up for the sin of humanity in John 17. He says, my prayer is for all of my disciples that they may be one, that they may be brought to complete unity, and then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That with a finite number of breaths left in his life on earth, Jesus offers up this one final prayer for the thing he believes will make the greatest difference in the world, the thing that will let the watching world most understand the reality of the Jesus whom God sent. And again, it wasn't a big event. It wasn't an articulation of the good news of Jesus. It was a picture of oneness of his would-be followers, that that picture of unity among believers is so important to God because it sends the message of love to the watching world. And just to be clear, by unity, we don't mean unanimity or uniformity. And by oneness, we don't mean sameness. It's not as if there's one way to think, one way to behave, one right value system, one correct interpretation. And in order to belong to us, to our one group, you have to kind of track with that one way. We've been learning over the years the value of love beyond belief, that especially this year through our study of the book of Galatians, that for anybody who has anchored their life in the good news of Jesus that exists by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, anyone who's anchored themselves in that gospel belongs to the family of God and is part of that diverse community that we are obligated to cultivate unity with. And so as a church community, personally and together as a family, we've been moving in that direction of a wider and wider circle to draw in a greater degree of diversity to paint that picture of oneness, because that's what love looks like. Love fights for unity. Do you see where things can kind of get confusing then as we simply and clearly pursue a life of love? 
On the one hand, love fights for justice and love advocates for systemic change and in some cases even seeks to break things down. But at the same time, love builds things up. Love reaches out and tries to kind of build bridges across diverse divides and to create a greater picture of oneness to the world. And so this year, personally and together as a church family, if we're going to pursue that vision of God over the lack of visibility that we might have, we need to appreciate that God's inviting us into pursuing a double vision. That's why we called this morning double vision, because in a life of love, God is inviting us to pursue a double vision that fights both for justice and for unity. Biblically, it's called the process of peacemaking. We looked in the kickoff morning at Romans 12, 18, where it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone, which means two things. It means on the one hand, the making of peace and the reaching out to those who are ostracized or excluded or on the margins or suffering and elevating their status and their quality of life, making peace with them. On the other hand, it means doing it in a peacemaking way, not harshly or rudely or divisively or in a way that polarizes people, but actually draws people together in an increasing way. And that can get confusing when we're not sure whether to break down or build up, you know, whether to make peace or do it in a peacemaking way. That journey of love can get complicated really quickly. We see it get complicated, for example, in Vineland, in our anchor cause, where friends are befriending our migrant worker friends. And in this friendship that makes a difference, awakening to the reality that many of our migrant worker friends live in very difficult living conditions. And out of love, we want to advocate for and kind of fight for enhanced living conditions for our migrant worker friends. But the moment we feel that and the moment we start to dip our toe into that advocacy for systemic change, We realize that we've also got to do that in a way that is unifying and works in partnership with the farm owners so as not to ostracize ourselves or our migrant worker friends from them, to do this in collaboration and partnership and to advocate for justice in a unified way. We saw this last year as well when we were navigating through establishing a a more formal policy for LGBTQ plus inclusion around our community, where last fall we kind of slowed things down before finalizing that policy to draw in and gain input and to have a much more thorough and robust conversation with our umbrella denominational family. And a lot of people felt like we were slowing down because we were selling out or certain, you know, power brokers were, were influencing things and we were catering to that. That wasn't the case at all. We were seeking to create a, a broader degree of influence and impact, not only to be affected by them, to, but to affect them as well, believing that we can go fast by going alone, but we can go far by going together. And so we were advocating for justice and systemic change in us and in others, but trying to do that in a unified way. And now, these days, we've got a bona fide policy of inclusion for LGBTQ plus people who, if you're experiencing our service today, I would hope that you know that you know that you know that Southridge is a place where you can belong and you can contribute and you can add value in your own unique way. We want you, we love you, and we need you and can say that not just with the credibility of our local church leadership, but with the support and partnership of our whole denominational uh, covering as well. 
And we're thrilled by that, as confusing as that might feel in the time, because as we pursue that life of love, we're pursuing both of those values, fighting for justice and fighting for unity. And so the question for each of us today on the dawn of a new ministry season is whether we can pursue both of those values as well. Because a life of love requires that double vision. It requires embracing both of those values and not just assuming that the value we lean to is the more right one. In fact, the Bible would actually call that heart attitude a sin. Do you remember in the summer where we were talking about the contrast between the acts of our sin nature and the way that God's spirit bears fruit in our lives. Take a look at the Living Bible's translation of Galatians chapter 5 describing that sin nature. Paul says, when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms. And then I highlighted this part, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. I love that. The feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. That's how the Living Bible translates the term factions. And when you're in a place where you feel like everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group, it might not actually be them that's wrong. It might be you that's wrong because of a factious heart attitude. Sometimes what we know to be wholly true isn't necessarily the whole truth. And the question is, can we see the bigger picture and embrace all and both of the values of the fullness of the love that God has for us? If we can, then we can probably plot out where we bias in that spectrum, which is probably step two at a practical level, to live a life of love to identify our bias. Look at the way Paul describes love in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I think for all of us, when we look at that list of what love looks like, there are phrases and aspects of that list that leap out off the page for each of us, depending on our bias. For some of us, we might see that love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And love for us stands up for what is right and stands up against sin and wrongness. Others may bias towards seeing things like love is patient and kind, that it always hopes and it always perseveres, that it's faithful no matter what. See, some of us are going to bias towards a tougher love, and some of us will bias towards a gentler love. And that's okay, so long as we can see the bigger picture of the fullness of God's love and appreciate where our bias puts us. Because if we can do that, then we can take this third step, and no matter where we find ourselves, we can all commit to grow. A life of love means a commitment for all of us to grow, no matter where we find ourselves on that love spectrum. Remember in our kickoff morning, Peter taught us this from 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. We want to be abundantly clear, pandemic or not, capacity to gather as a large group or not, visibility or not. 
that the vision God has us on, personally as followers of Jesus and collectively as a church family, is a life pursuing the finish line of love. That's the journey God has us on. But specifically this year, if we are going to pursue that journey personally and together, it's going to require a double vision from each one of us to appreciate that love both fights for justice and love fights for unity. The question is, can we pursue that double vision together even this year as our visibility may be low? You know, from a personal perspective, full disclosure, I sometimes wonder whether that's just a crazy vision to even want to pursue. And outside of the Spirit of God miraculously working among us, I got to admit, it probably is. Because when you think about it, when you try to pursue a life of love defined in that double vision kind of way, inevitably, you set yourself up at times to disappoint everybody. And it feels like in my ministry life and part of you know, being part of our leadership that it feels that way sometimes, that by pursuing that kind of a life of love, you disappoint everybody. You know, on the one hand, you disappoint people because they feel like our church is moving too fast and we're caring about things that make them uncomfortable. And on the other hand, people feel like our church is moving too slow and we're not moving with the urgency that we ought to given the situation and we're letting other voices hold us back. Some people feel we're too left-wing, others people feel we're too right-wing. And I heard someone once say, you know, for a bird to fly, it requires both wings to flap, right? And I sometimes wonder whether, you know, in our disappointments sometimes, maybe what would help us is to gain some clarity around the double vision that God is inviting us into so we can appreciate that God is inviting us to both fight for justice and fight for unity fully at the same time. Because the truth, gang, is that this year, that's the direction God is leading us even more. As we stare at new realities like the dynamic of racial injustice and systemic racism and particularly white privilege, we're going to dig into that this year in a fuller and deeper way. And that's going to make some of us uncomfortable because unapologetically, we are going to seek as a church community in love to comfort the afflicted in ways that are going to afflict the comfortable. We know that already and are going to move in that direction. At the same time, we're going to move in that direction in a peacemaking way, in a way that tries to bring as many people along, not just people who think one way, but even people who have different convictions and different perspectives and different change capacities. We're going to try to move at a pace where we can go far by going together. And the question is, can you join us in that challenge and that adventure? And can you pursue that kind of fuller, more robust, mature definition of a life of love in your life? Because the reality is Jesus modeled, Jesus taught, and Jesus died and rose again to enable one thing, to enable his would-be followers to pursue the finish line of a life of love, lived by him in and among us from the inside out. And as we pursue that vision personally and together as a church family, can we this year pursue that double vision? Can you and I pursue the double vision of fighting both for justice and for unity as we seek to grow in our experience and expression of the love of God together? Let's pray. 
God, we want to first of all thank you for the fullness of your love poured out on us. And as it says in the Bible, we love because you first loved us. And I pray that as we come into contact with a greater and fuller and richer experience of your love, that we would be able to see it clearly and understand it better so that we can share it more liberally with you and with others. Help us to realize that love means more than one thing and more than one thing we might bias towards. To realize that none of us have a full grasp of the fullness of your love and all of us need to grow. And I pray that together, as a diverse community of people of different backgrounds and perspectives and biases and convictions and interpretations, that we can commit to supporting one another in that love adventure. And that as we grow in our experience of love, we would get better at sharing that love, both as we advocate for systemic change and as we paint that picture of oneness in unity so that the watching world can know the reality of the Jesus whom you sent. Thanks, God, that you want to do that work among us this year, that you've given us that vision, and I pray that personally and together as a church family, we would embrace it fully and faithfully for you. We look forward to watching you work in that way among us. We're excited by what this year holds, and we thank you that you're going to do that work faithfully. We look forward to watching you work in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.